This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Fertile Mindset Podcast. In this very special episode, I invited Julia Midwinter and Karen Delafoe to join me and share their fertility stories. Now, both Karen and Julia had IVF treatment, and I had the honour of supporting them both with EFT and mindset work. The positive experiences they both had of that emotional support on their fertility journeys then led to them making big changes in their life and training as fertility coaches themselves. There are honestly so many similarities in their stories, but this podcast was the very first time they had met. I know you're going to love meeting these two inspiring women yourself. And if you're wanting to have emotional support and mindset work too, listen to the end where I invite you to take part in Five Days to Fertility Calm. The link to read more about it and register is at fertilemindset.com slash five days. So now here is my conversation with Julia and Karen. Hello, Julia and hello, Karen. Lovely to have you join me on the podcast today. How are you both? Julia, how are you? Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much. Yeah, great. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here um, and to be chatting to you and Karen today in the sunshine. As we've just said, sunshine and the windows closed, unfortunately, for a recording. I know. We're (laughs) in the height of British summer right now. You know, although this is going to be going out later, it's absolutely lovely to be on a warm day and for once in in this country. (laughs) And Karen, how are you doing today? Yeah, really good too. Thank you. So nice to be joining joining you both today. Um, this sunny day here as well. So, Lovely. Yeah. Good. good. I'm so pleased that we've found a time when the three of us can get together because when I was thinking about this episode and and how I wanted to kind of share this kind of story that you're going to share, it's going to be really interesting when we get into your stories. Um, just both of you came to mind at once, and I don't think you have met each other before, have you? Do you had you met each other or not? Yeah. No, no, I don't think we have. Brilliant. So yeah, you just have like so many similarities and you followed similar paths now after your fertility journeys as well. So it's going to be uh, really interesting to, to share your stories. So thank you so, so much for being here. I thought it'd be really nice to start off with um, to hear about both of your own fertility stories and, and what kind of struggles you had, what you were facing. And I know that happily now you both have your children and that's just amazing. Um, but I wondered if you would like to both share a little bit of your story first. Um, Julia, would you like to share your story? Sure, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, and I think um, thinking back to my story, it probably starts before I was even trying to conceive which is a bit crazy but I know that happens for quite a lot of us so I got an endometriosis diagnosis when I was 30 I didn't have a boyfriend didn't have any thoughts of having children at that point and I just remember the consultant saying to me you know you really should try and have children as soon as possible and I just thought how how can you be telling me this this is crazy 
Um, so I think just those thoughts and beliefs about my ability to conceive started um, embedding my brain at that point. And um, so when we, I did find my husband and we were trying to conceive, I kind of kept telling myself, oh, it's going to be really difficult because I've had this surgery and I know that endometriosis can affect fertility. So those are the kind of thoughts that I kept um, going through my mind. And so we tried for a year um, with no luck and then decided to go through to IVF or we had the, the normal fertility test and then decided to, to move on to IVF because of the endometriosis. Um, and I think I just kept having all this sort of this baggage behind me of, of the surgery and what my consultant said to me um, all throughout my, my cycles. So we ended up having um, four IVF cycles and I did get pregnant on the first cycle, which I thought, okay, wow, that's amazing. Um, sadly, that ended in miscarriage. And I think that this, this kind of, the, the feeling of, of being successful on an IVF cycle and then suddenly that being taken away is, is so distressing. Mm -hmm. And it can come as such a shock as well. Like you just don't, you think, oh, I've, I've done it. I've got past the biggest hurdle but actually you, you just don't realize that there are so many other hurdles in, in this process and on this journey. Um, so we did another cycle and sadly I miscarried again. Um, and it was at that point, I think I really decided that I needed to do something more for myself to, to try and stop blaming myself for what I was going through, stop blaming my body, start thinking differently about my journey and thinking differently about my um, believing that I could have a child and that believing that I was meant to have a child and that I could be a good mother because all those thoughts were starting to appear as well that you know maybe maybe I'm not suited to being a mum maybe it's just not for me in life and um, I think that they were just starting to, to really damage me and, and make me feel really, really low. Um, and it was at that point, Sarah, that I, I think I, I stumbled upon your Facebook group. Um, and I, it was just so nice to be part of a community of people that really understood. And I think I just didn't have anyone in my friendship group or my family who really understood what it was like to be going through infertility. Like all my friends managed to get pregnant really quickly. None of my family seemed to have had any issues. So I really felt so alone. And to suddenly be drawn into your Facebook community and to be learning about new techniques to help manage emotions and manage some of these really difficult thoughts and, and challenges throughout the journey was a really big turning point for me. And I continued continued on. So I, another big um uh, impact on my emotional health was going to see an acupuncturist um, which I've, I've found so helpful and therapeutic so I found it really relaxing at the time and also felt that I was doing something physically to help my body 
Um, and I decided to see a fertility coach as well. So the combination of, of being part of a community, getting and getting that one-to-one -one support made a massive difference for me. Um, and I, I genuinely, I can generally say this in all honesty, I went into my final cycle just completely in acceptance of what the outcome was going to be. I just thought, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I actually do believe it's possible for me to get pregnant and have a full-term baby this time. Um, but if it doesn't happen, then that's okay. There is an alternative. And just to have that weight lifted off me, that pressure of it's got to work, it's got to work. I can't believe this isn't working um, was, was amazing. And I think it, it released such a lot of tension within me physically as well. And that final cycle, obviously, was the one that that gave me my son. So, um, yeah, just just truly grateful for for your community, Sarah, and for meeting you, and for for kind of embarking on that that process of um, that emotional journey and uh, journey to self development, which I'm now mm -hmm. continuing myself. Gosh, that really what you said there about the mindset you had, Juliet before your final transfer your final cycle that sounded so powerful because you had both the strong belief that it really could happen and it's absolutely yeah. possible for you to get pregnant and have a full-term pregnancy which yeah. I know can be hard after losses you know so that's yeah. when it was it seems that's when it was really highlighted for you to to change your beliefs and look at pregnancy and, and really have that belief there but also having the surrender and thinking mm. although I truly believe this is possible I am still not in ultimate control of the outcome yeah. So, Absolutely. wow, what a place to get to. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I think yours is one as well that's slightly more unusual in that you kind of knew that you had fertility problems before you mm. or you would could have fertility problems before you even started trying to conceive. And that's it's shocking, isn't it, to hear that when you're so young, you haven't yeah. even thought about having children <laughs> yet, but it's there in the back of your mind. So you've got that kind of expectation as soon as you start, you know, you know what yeah. could happen. But then, of course, like you say, when you got pregnant, you thought that would be it. You thought you'd succeeded. Mm -hmm. But then, unfortunately, you had a loss. And again, it's, you know, it's the unexpected. So what a journey you went on and, and how it brought you to, to find or seek out and find the right kind of support. I'm so happy to be a little part of that. And it sounds like you had a really good support team there with all the different things that you were doing. So that's really lovely. Thank you for sharing your story. Karen, I'd really love to hear what your story was as well. What was your fertility story? Where did you get to? Thank you, Sarah. I am quite similar to Julia in a way, um, because mine also started way before I was trying to conceive or even before I was in the right place to conceive. So I was 25 at the time on a gap year abroad, having the best year of my life in Spain. Um, and I noticed I had a bit of a bump on my tummy. My uh, boyfriend at the time came out. He's like, oh, yeah, I just blew it off my mum was recovering from cancer so I thought I was just being a bit paranoid about lumps and bumps and whatnot um but went to the doctors out in Spain and they suggested I get it checked out so when I came back at Christmas in fact I still thought I was just being a little bit paranoid and didn't really take it too seriously um but my boyfriend at the time pushed me on my last day in the UK pushed me to go and see a doctor went to the doctor um I laid down she pushed my tummy and she said yep you're pregnant 
I said, absolutely not. There's no way I can be pregnant. And she was adamant. She found a heartbeat. It wasn't a baby, it was mine. Um, and this went on for quite a while. Um, and she then agreed that no, I wasn't pregnant, but there was something happening. So sent me for an urgent scan, urgent consultant's appointment, did all of that. We realized there was something quite big happening. So I went down to Cornwall to stay with my family. Um, went to a consultant appointment on the Friday morning. They said, okay, you need to go and pack your bag, come back. You've got a huge ovarian cyst. We need to operate on you today. Um, I was still a little bit in shock and denial what was happening. Um, and he said, yeah, you, look, this is about to burst. If it bursts, you're not going to survive. You need to come back. You need to get your bag. You need to come back. We need to operate today. When we were... When I was, I vividly remember signing all the consent forms and they said, look, we don't know what we're going to find when we open you up and um, we might have to take everything. We might have to do a full hysterectomy and I, ref I refused to sign it. I knew I was so sure I wanted children and I, I vividly remember not wanting them to take that choice away from me and preferring to die. And having that choice oh, taken away from me. Mm -hmm. It was awful. Um, so anyway, they just took an ovary. Um, the rest was there. It was all fine, but it was a long, the it was a big surgery. I had a scarf and my belly button down. I was in hospital for a couple of weeks and I was out of action for a couple of months. Um, but it was all such a shock and it hit me so hugely that I became obsessed with when should I start having children the boyfriend I had at the time wasn't he wasn't my life partner and I just became absolutely obsessed with when should I start having children when am I gonna when's gonna be the last time and all this kind of thing um a couple of years later I started having really bad pain from the site they did I obviously got scared again they did a laparoscopy and realized there was really heavy scar tissue which they they took away <clears throat> um, and yeah, that was all fine for a year or so. Then the pain started coming back. They, it was clearly scar tissue and they wanted to do more surgery to move that. But by that point, I just didn't want anybody to touch me there at all. I wanted to keep what was there. Even though I was in severe pain for years, I just didn't want anybody to, to do anything there. I didn't want my chances to be to go down even more. I was so desperately wanted children at some point in my life. But at the same time, I kind of almost had a delayed teenage rebellion, I think, and just went a little bit off the rails, just lost myself a little bit, threw myself into work, but it wasn't really my kind of thing, but I was almost two different people. I wanted this big career corporate job in case I couldn't have children so that I could focus on something. But at the same time, I was just obsessed with finding somebody who I could have children with or maybe going it alone or I don't know it was just it just took over everything <clears throat> and I was so paranoid about this scar that I had from my belly button down I remember I would wear um like body suits constantly like nobody would be able to see my tummy because I just was so aware of this outward sign that there was something wrong inside I felt less of a woman all this kind of thing. It was really, really bad. Um, and then I did finally meet somebody, met my then husband. Um, we started, try so that was about 10 years 
later actually so it's quite a long period of time that I I, I struggled with with this kind of notion of desperately wanting children not being in the right place um then we we started trying pretty quickly um things didn't really happen we went to um we went to the gp and he did all the normal tests but fast tracked us for ivf because of my age by that time and because me just having one ovary um even then i went to the hospital in fact it wasn't for ivf he fast tracked us fast-tracked us for more tests and just to see what could be done. We went to the hospital and they said straight away, yeah, let's get you started on IVF. You can start next month because it was also like, it seemed all suddenly so urgent again. And <laughs> I was devastated that they said I needed IVF. I remember coming home, we went to the pub and my husband was so excited and so happy. And he was like, look, they've fast-tracked us. We can do this. You just have a, a bit of an issue but IVF is gonna we're gonna have our baby with IVF it's gonna work it's gonna it's gonna be fine and I just hit rock bottom again at the thought of needing science for me to be a mummy um and and also it was a desperation as well because it felt so final to need IVF I was terrified of what would happen if it didn't work um what would yeah who would I be then and all this kind of thing and I just although on one side I was grateful to ha have the opportunity of IVF I was also utterly devastated at needing IVF um then we we started the IVF journey um and we went for the everyone was really keen for us to get going we went for the first scan um he took a look and he said um the your other tube is really badly damaged um they needed to remove it devastated again it was terrifying just utterly awful um sounds really silly but I didn't want them to remove it we were in there for a long, long time I just didn't want them to take it away I didn't want another part of me in that space to be taken away mm, that's understandable so I, yeah yeah I, and he just understand me um and in the end he he didn't take it completely he just they they can cut it and they kind of tie it each end so I effectively don't have the tube but he left it in there um but it's completely cut so I was left with just one ovary and no tubes I had huge then all the emotions come out it was utterly terrified about not being able to have children, a huge guilt that my kind of reckless years had potentially caused the damaged tube in some way. Um, and yeah, all sorts of, all sorts of things. Um, my husband was really positive that, you know, the reason we hadn't had, we hadn't been successful was basically the tube was so damaged, nothing was getting through. But now we'd figured that out. Once we had IVF, I had an ovary, I had eggs. So IVF in theory should, should work um, because we have all the bits, we just need the science to put it all together. Um, and, and he was very much of the mindset that, you know, if you're positive, then things will happen and your mind creates your reality. And we, we did that, but I not quite in the right way. And I really vividly imagined everything 
I named this baby, I imagined holding her, playing with her, it was going to be a her. Um, I called her Liliana, which is why my business is called now called Liliana. Um, and everything was going to be, I was going to finally have my baby. Um, and we did the IVF and it didn't work. And <laughs> I've never cried so much or for so long in all my life. I, it was weeks that I just couldn't pull myself out of it it was awful because I so much thought it was going to work and again I hit that rock bottom I didn't want to be here I didn't know what was going to happen I was all over the place when we did the IVF with her um I still refer to as her I still see it as a person um when we did that IVF we were left with we had two embryos out of it we had one that was not a good quality and her that was a good quality. So we were left with this one not good quality embryo. Um, because she hadn't worked, I was absolutely sure that this other one wasn't gonna work. So once I got out of the grief about that not working and on the red to try again, I just kind of dismissed this, this other one that I thought wasn't gonna work because it wasn't good quality. Um, so, um, I was doing a lot, of, I'd found meditation a couple of years earlier, and the meditation I would do would be kind of scanning through your body. So you see all bits of your, parts of your body. Um, and I would find that I would get to my ovary reproductive organ section, and I just couldn't get through. It was like a black hole. It was a heavy black space. It was a cave. It was, I don't know, it was just a... Uh, just a dark space that I couldn't get through. So whilst I was mid, mid these cycles, I went to um, fertility shows and I looked through for other clinics because I completely dismissed this second IVF. I was looking at other clinics to start our next round in the following year. That's my found you, Sarah, at one of the fertility shows. And we got talking about this, about my journey in this black space that I had that mm. I just couldn't get past and we started doing some IVF um IVF and um, EFT together before that second cycle I remember it so clearly I remember so clearly you walking over to my stand and that's quite a few years ago now isn't it but, <laughs> and I and very rarely did I ever do any EFT with people at those shows you know it was just purely conversation and giving leaflets and sharing details you know and getting in touch later because it's not usually the time or place to sit down and have a therapy session is it you know it's Kensington Olympia thousands of people there very public space you know um yeah. but I could see and I'm sure you're going to say you know what was going on for you at the time what stage you were in your cycle and everything but it, you just needed something there and then you know there was no time to wait and luckily there was a room wasn't there that I think it was a <laughs> fertility network UK I think had this little kind of chill out room in case anyone needed a bit of space and we, yeah. we luckily got permission to use it, it. very luckily. Yeah. And yeah, that was amazing to be able to be with you at that time, Karen. I'm so pleased that you, you oh, managed yeah. to stumble across my stand on that day. Completely. I think I had a bit of a cry, probably mm. quite a big cry with you in that room. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we had those sessions and it was just transformative. I couldn't believe the, the difference that it made. EFT was completely new to me at that stage. Um, I was doing acupuncture and reflexology and that kind of thing, but never come across the FT. And it just made such a huge, huge, huge difference in how I saw myself and how it kind of paused the crazy emotional roller coaster that I was on. And it somehow, um, it, it, it kind of unblocked this black, horrible space that I had. 
Um, and I think a combination of that and also similar to what Junior said, and it's difficult to articulate this properly, but almost because I didn't think it was going to work, I didn't pin all my hopes on it. And I didn't get all that kind of emotional, this has to work. I was quite fluid about it, quite calm about it. And it worked against all the odds. It, it worked. And now that's my little boy. It's my little three-year-old crazy <laughs> toddler. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, it worked. And so the whole journey um, through the infertility and then my journey afterwards, um, during pregnancy because I, I realized that it affected me a lot in pregnancy as well the fears didn't quite didn't leave me um, and I felt like there wasn't a huge amount of support out there for that space and I just really wanted to help people because I knew what it was like to be there I'd been there um, but also to help the dads as well because it had a, a big impact on our relationship on my husband mm. um, and on, on me as well obviously so that's why I, I kind of went into coaching because I just I just needed to use my experience to help other people through their own struggles. That's the thing isn't it when we live something ourselves and gosh that was a long period of time that you lived that as well you know similar to Julia and that you knew very early on that there could be problems and then it became a focus um, and we we really noticed that the impact it has not just while we're trying to conceive but on our our life as a whole doesn't it when we have fertility struggles or anyway and we have that uncertainty about whether we will ever have a baby especially if it's something you so wanted you know and then suddenly there's uncertainty around it um it's yeah it shows the the true value of taking care of your emotional well-being and I always think that is taking care of you isn't it it's taking care of you because it all becomes about the baby and about your body conceiving but this is taking care of you as a person your, your emotional side of you you know and your your whole life um which is what I love about both your stories is that not only did you have that realization and you got the support around you you took the action um, you had your wonderful outcomes as well, which we can only ever, you know, really wish and hope for. But you both have got your little boys now. Are they similar ages, actually, Karen? You said yours, your little boy's three. How old's your little boy, Julia? Yeah, he's nearly three. So, yeah, very oh, similar. So you've really oh. travelled this path in like <laughs> parallel ways and you didn't yeah, even know each funny, other. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. And you've both taken this huge step now. Um, I think it was quite a big change of career for both of you as well. Karen, you said you went mm. from a corporate type career and now gone into fertility coaching. Was that the same for you, Julia? What were you doing beforehand? Yeah, exactly. So in publishing. So it's, it's quite a big, a big change. Um, mm. But I think I think you just you feel like something is missing. So you, you've experienced this this big this big part of your life and this big huge emotional shift and you've done so much self-development on yourself that then carries on to the rest of your life and you kind of think I'm kind of I'm not I'm not really done here I, I feel like I need to give back and I need to show as Karen says you know but provide that support to other people because it can feel so so lonely even even if people are on social media and I think you know social media is brilliant for that for bringing communities together of, of people that are experiencing the same kind of thing and I love seeing um, so many people's kind of personal uh, fertility journey accounts on like Instagram and Facebook because you just feel that they are connecting with each other which is brilliant 
Um, but just just being able to to support people and giving people the space to talk about what's going on. Because I think another thing that I found really hard was it was all so raw and emotional. And I found it really difficult to talk to my husband about it without getting really upset, talk to my family about it without getting really upset. And you, being upset in front of a coach is completely different to being upset in front of your family. Like you kind of, yeah. you feel like you have to um, hold that emotion for them as well. Um, and so you worry that they're getting upset. Um, so I, I think seeing someone neutral and a th- sort of an almost third person within your journey really helps take that pressure off you that you're not responsible for that person's emotional response to what you're going through. Absolutely. I, and I think the way that you mentioned about social media as well as fertility coaching, I think the way that we um, are able to navigate these journeys now has changed massively and mm. um, definitely in the time since when I was trying to conceive my first baby which was well he was born in 2006 so it was a couple of years before that 2003 2004 is when I first started to try to conceive and I don't know if there was any such thing as a fertility coach right then there definitely wasn't mm. the kind of communities um, on social media although there were some online communities that I definitely found a lot of support from but you're right now Um, it's so much more open and talked about at least within the communities even if not so much outside you know but a lot of recognition between us all you know what a struggle this is the the toll that it takes on our emotional well-being and on our relationship and other areas of our life and luckily there are fertility coaches now you know when I launched Fertile Mindset which is many years ago now with EFT coaching and you know doing my own my own kind of made up way of supporting fertility really taking a technique that I'd known about for for years and I'd been using professionally for years but then really honing it specifically for fertility and and putting my own take on it really um, and put myself out there and started supporting people I almost felt like I was on my own at that stage you know it wasn't really talked about so much people would see acupuncturists absolutely they'd see nutritionists maybe for looking at their um, physical health but there wasn't so much focus on the emotional side and in the last yeah 13 years or so and definitely in the last few years now there are there are so many more you know options for people aren't there looking for emotional support looking for someone like you said that they can talk to that isn't a family member or a close friend that won't have any kind of bias in any way and you know because I don't know how both of you found it but I found that when I talk to friends and family they would be more on the side of, oh, don't you think you should stop because this is so much and it's such a Mm. struggle and I don't like to see you go through this pain, you know? And I had this certainty, like both of you did, you know, of actually I'm going to keep going and just get the support around me and I can do this and I've got this vision of myself being a mother and I'm working towards it. Uh, And I wanted to keep that strong, you know, and not have people who cared about me telling me to stop. So I think it does make a huge difference, doesn't it, to be in front of a coach or whoever, someone you can really speak to uh, and be honest, and they're just, they're holding the space for you and helping you find your own tools to move forward. Because that's what coaching really is all about, isn't it, is bringing out what you already have. I'd I'd love to hear both of them. both of your stories about how you really stepped into coaching then and, and what it's been like as to be a fertility coach now, Karen, what's it like for you as a, as a mum to a three-year-old as well and being a fertility <laughs> coach and supporting others through this journey? 
Uh, it's a little hectic, um, but it, it's great. I think uh, I was thinking earlier, I, for me also made me shift my perspective about lots and lots of things, going through the fertility journey myself and thinking about corporate work and this kind of work. Um, I would just find that I couldn't get enthused about the corporate stuff like a lot of other people. It just completely shifted how I saw different things. Um, so that's partly as well why I came into the coaching. Um, and then when I do the coaching, to be able to see the change in people, um, I do different, different, I offer different um, styles, different, I have packages that I do for people. So there's like a course of eight sessions or I do ad hoc sessions with NLP and, and, and different bits and pieces. And one time in particular, I it was a, a few weeks ago, I had a lady who's, um, she's she has one child and she's pregnant with another one but for various reasons she's she's really struggling emotionally with it and we did some work together and halfway through the session it was like almost like a visible pop <laughs> in her like the air the um, atmosphere changed her voice changed her being changed suddenly she seemed free and calmer and it was just so beautiful to see and she was so appreciative and just to be able to give that to people is just an amazing feeling it's so powerful for them um because i i know how awful it is when you're in that hole and you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and fearful to just be able to release that and be back in that kind of calmer space and to be able to help people get in that space is just incredible yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean there, Karen, that visible change, because, you know, either yeah. we're seeing people in person or over Zoom and you can see, you know, their expression and their manner and how they're holding their body. And actually, once they move through something and beyond and find whatever their perspective or mindset or new belief is, whatever it is that they've reached, that is just so supportive and feels right for them. It, it does change everything. It's not just what's going on privately inside their head. You see it, you see it about, you know, how they're holding their body and how they're expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, life-changing, which both of you know, you know, you both experienced that complete shift into how you both approached the next cycle, the cycle that became your little boys. Um, you knew that it took this, this massive shift, um, which actually I'm guessing did it both for both you did it feel kind of quite natural then once you got there Julia you said about you know having this strong belief but then you know also accepting what will be will be you know I don't have complete control did that feel like a more comfortable natural place to be yeah absolutely and I think that yeah as, it, as Karen says it's something shifts and you can't really put your finger on it you can call it like an aha moment or a light bulb moment but you can't really say okay specifically this happened and this is why I feel better but it's it's that sort of continual work on yourself with people who are there to really support you and really care about where you're at right at that point and not trying to push you in any specific direction not really giving you advice just letting you be with your feelings and letting you work through them and process them that helps you get to a different place. And I think if you don't go through that journey, it's really hard to get to that other side. And that other side felt, felt as you say, completely natural and just, yeah, this is meant to be. This is, this is the place I'm meant to be at right now. 
and mm-hmm. I will go in whichever direction it takes me. And for me, I just, I just really felt that whichever direction I go in, this was definitely going to be my last cycle. I decided on that already. And even just making that decision felt reassuring. So I was doing something that I could control. Like I can control how many cycles I, I do. I can control if I keep going or if I stop. I know something that's really hard on this journey is that feeling of, of being out of control. But with your decisions, you can sort of start plotting bits of the journey that are within your control. And just having made that decision made me feel much more empowered and like either option would actually be okay. And then when I did have my baby, then it just it was amazing I mean the pregnancy was difficult so I think as Karen says it it doesn't end when you get pregnant especially if you've had miscarriages there's the the anxiety and the overwhelm and the feeling of am I going to be good enough and is this is this really happening or am I going am I going to lose the baby that that stays with you throughout the pregnancy I would say and and getting the support throughout the pregnancy I find is is also really beneficial to help you manage your emotions and manage those expectations and keep you in the present um because yeah the the hormones the hormones also exacerbate the emotions yeah absolutely and and I think I think it was Karen who said as well that you're kind of learning skills for life here aren't you as well so once you've had that experience and given yourself permission as well I heard you talking about that you know giving yourself permission about how you feel and allow yourself to Mm. feel it and express it and acknowledge it and not just push it away and then find the support and then see actually there is a more natural comfortable way to feel with life's challenges whether that is trying to get pregnant with fertility challenges whether that's you know, getting through that nine months of pregnancy when you're fearful of, of losing another baby. And then onwards, I mean, you're both at the, the, the toddler stage of parenting. And as a parent of a teenager, I'm going to tell you now, it doesn't get any easier. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there are all those challenges along the way, you know, and that's life. And, and once we've learned these tools, um, yeah, it gives us what you said about control. Everything feels out of our control, doesn't it? We've mm-hmm. just we've handed over our body to the, to medicine. You know, it's like help me get pregnant, and suddenly we feel like we don't have any control over things. But if we can start to spot the things that we do have control over, the decisions we make, the mm-hmm. support that we bring in, using tools that will actually help us with our emotions and gain some control back over our emotions and ownership over our emotions, you could say. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely lessons that we we have for life to carry forward. And like you've both been saying, that are really beautiful to share with other people to see that that community is there because that community is not going anywhere you know people will move through it and beyond it and graduate from the fertility community but there there are always more people and I think I don't you know I feel like we're seeing increasingly more people in the fertility community because you know women are um, trying for their babies either starting later in life or they're continuing for longer because there are so many more options now aren't there available um, not only IVF with your own eggs but IVF with donor eggs or uh, donor embryos and there are so many you know lengthening fertility journey lengthening options there aren't there to to be on this journey for longer so we can't underestimate the need for support I think so if this episode does anything I hope that it really highlights um 
you know that fertility coaching emotional support is is something that that could and should be incorporated into every plan and it isn't often is it you know it's not often that you sit down with your fertility doctor and you talk about the treatment and you might think about what supplements you want to take and other ways you support your physical health ready to get the best quality egg the best quality sperm so that you can conceive but how often do we really then say right and now what's there for me what's going to support me through this process Um, and I don't think it's done routinely it's more approached if we really need it you know we get to that point of thinking actually I'm not coping this is way more stressful than I thought um but if it can start to be brought in as a a standard approach then wouldn't that be amazing to you know have support all the way through which I know is what you you know you support people with and I do as well and I know Julia you told me recently that you discovered that fertility coaching is now available and, and covered by some private health insurances is that right? Yeah, so I think, uh, as you say, Sarah, it's it's not always been something that is the first point of call when you speak to your consultant. But I think this past couple of years has really shone a light on mental health in general. And so a lot of companies are now creating well-being policies, mental health policies, um, which may or may not kind of allow you to um, have some funding for fertility coaching and also um, some of my clients have been claiming uh, fertility coaching through their private medical insurance through work so that there are more options to make this accessible for um, a lot of people so it's worth inquiring if you're um, if you're employed at the moment through HR departments to see what they offer because I think this is it's just something that's more and more companies are doing now and it is time to prioritize you know like you say the last two years that we've been through um with the pandemic is we're into our second year with it aren't we um it has totally highlighted the need for emotional and and mental health support in every area of our life and for those people who've been trying to get pregnant in this time it's it's been an even more challenging time to access treatment and to you know make decisions about vaccines and all sorts of things that have been going on for for the fertility community so yeah if if now is the day anyone that's listening to this that you make that decision to reach out for emotional support I think that is amazing and I hope that it changes things for you moving forward and of course we are all active on social media we've talked about that I know both of you are active on Instagram could you both just share your Instagram handles we will put them on the podcast page as well for anyone that visits there but Karen where are you on Instagram how can we find you yeah so I'm fertility underscore lily dot amma a-m-a wonderful and Julia what's your Instagram handle and I'm at pineapple fertility coaching lovely thank you so we can you can both be found on Instagram um, and you know it's it's engaging with communities like that even just looking under the hashtags and finding other people that are going through similar stories and, and following accounts that you find supportive may be the first step um, and then of course they could get in touch with both of you all three of us you know if they needed support uh, more directly I have my own free challenge coming up which is starting in a couple of weeks on the 13th of September I've got the, my new free challenge well my existing free challenge but we're doing it for another time it's called five days to fertility calm And that's a completely free um, opportunity to 
explore the emotional side of fertility, but then also be guided through using the technique that I use, which is called EFT, EFT tapping, to start really transforming and moving through those emotions and finding those places that we've just been talking about there of, you know, that more natural, more accepting, um, more comfortable place to be, whether you are looking at an IVF cycle or something else on your journey that's going on and using these tools and techniques can really, you know, bring you to exactly where you need to be. Um, thank you both for sharing your stories. You were both so open and, and raw with what you shared. And I, that is so appreciated because we need to hear those stories. You know, we need to know exactly what it feels like and that people are not on their own, you know, and however they're feeling, however hard it feels, however they don't want to share those deep, dark emotions with their friends and family, that they are actually completely normal. You know, this isn't unusual. Um, they're reacting in a, in a normal way to an abnormal situation, really. But at the same time, we don't have to accept that, do we? We don't have to stay stuck with those emotions. And there is a different way if we get the right support in place and the right support around us, you know, to, to do this in a different way. And I'm, I'm so pleased that both of you, you know, got that support in place at really crucial times as well. Like there are so many parallels in your story. This is crazy. <laughs> but how, you know, you were both approaching that cycle going, this is the last time, this is my second embryo, you know, this is it, it needs to happen. But I'm also going to surrender in this moment, because the pressure could have been there even more, couldn't it? Let's be honest, you know, it could have been even more stressful and more pressurized. Um, and who knows what would have happened in those cases, whether they would have been successful pregnancies for you both or not, we'll never know that. But you know, actually, that you were taking care of yourself through this. And, and that's given you that insight to take this on for everybody else, you know, and, and support them too. Um, I'd love to, um, yeah, any last things that you would like to say to our audience about fertility coaching or a different mindset shift they could make? Like, what would you like to share? Karen, Julia, who wants to go first? Karen? <laughs> uh, I think it's similar to what we said before, but the biggest thing for me is since doing this work that we think of fertility coaching as helping you with your fertility if you're, and a lot of people think it's when they get to that really stressed state. But actually, like we mentioned earlier, it, the fertility aspect affects all areas of your life, but also the fertility coaching that we do um, can impact for the better all areas of your life too so you know it, it, it's useful to use a coach go to a coach or use these kind of techniques at any stage in the journey and knowing that it doesn't only impact your fertility journey but it will impact your perspective of yourself your relationship your work all these different aspects as well so it's really really powerful tool to have Absolutely. And gosh, don't we learn so much about ourselves along the way as well? You know, we'd never choose this path. I often say this, we'd never choose this path, but actually we become grateful for the learnings and the way that we grow and what we, you know, learn about ourselves. So thank you for that reminder, Karen. Julia, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I think, I think that's really important just to not wait until you're in the darkest depths of your fertility journey and um, the, the earlier that you can start working on yourself in this way um, the more equipped you'll be to handle some of those challenges um, and also that some of the things that I work on quite um, deeply with my clients is just thinking about beliefs versus facts so what you believe and what you think about your journey about your body is not necessarily true and trying to separate out what's what's really factual and what it is that you're telling yourself can be really powerful. 
Um, and I say that that's quite a big focus for the work that I do with my clients and just having that that realization that you can control what you believe and what you think and that can then in turn change how you feel and how you behave that realization can be really powerful on this journey beautiful absolutely thank you so much both of you you've shared so much of yourself um and i really hope and i know this this episode is going to be helpful to lots and lots of people who listen in so thank you so much for your time both of you um congratulations on your amazing successes not only your babies your little boys but also how you've now developed and, and building out this amazing coaching businesses for both of you and that you are magnifying the support that's out there you know so I feel such an honor that I got to touch each of your lives in a small way and that then you took that and and went on and and you know serve so many others and support others it's quite magical so thank you so much for being here before I get teary <laughs> we'll say our goodbyes <laughs> thank you and thanks for being there when we needed you as well yeah. <laughs> you made a huge huge difference oh, so, yeah thank you you are so welcome thank you ladies goodbye Bye. Oh, I love that chat with Karen and Julia. Aren't they both the most lovely, inspiring women? And it feels like yesterday when I was supporting them both with the heavy emotions around their fertility struggles and their IVF treatment. And now they are both mothers, both of them to three-year-old boys and making their own difference in the world with fertility coaching. I'd love to invite you now to step into Fertility Support 2 with my free challenge, Five Days to Fertility Calm. It starts on Monday, the 13th of September, and will only take you a few minutes a day to take part, but will give you the same opportunity for positive change as Karen and Julia experienced. I'd love you to join me, and you can register for free at fertilemindset.com slash five days. That's number five fertilemindset.com slash five days. I hope to see you there and I look forward to seeing what happens for you during our five days together. Before then, I'll speak to you again on the podcast next week. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast and now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership, which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the Sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping, and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the Sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast.